Hey everybody, hope you've enjoyed part one of the podcast. Now we've got part two coming up, so enjoy right after the usual stuff coming up right now. Hi, welcome to the Women's Health Podcast. I'm Anthony Lowe, the Physio Detective. And I'm Marika Hart from Herosphere. Together we interview leading authorities, we answer questions and share our thoughts to provide the general public with the best quality information that we can find on all aspects of women's health. Please remember that the materials and the content on this podcast are intended as general information and they're for entertainment purposes only. They're not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Now sit back, grab your favourite beverage or do your thing and enjoy the show. There's so much gold, I'm sure that we could just go over this podcast and then pull out another 10 podcasts like it's just so much in there fantastic (laughs) stuff um but what i'm hearing is that the the management of bladder pain syndrome whilst there's lots of important things to know about the technical details of which i am i just don't know very much at all uh, the management is still like that of other pain problems and the the you know the phenotyping you were saying of the psychosocial components so in other words working out which of the dials which affects their autonomic nervous system um can is contributing a lot to how much suffering they're experiencing would that be would that be right yeah yeah this isn't rocket science you know i'm 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 a nerd and i'm really interested in pain and i've um got my teeth into this area and i'm really interested in it but it isn't rocket science and this is what i say to patients you know you have everything within you to be able to heal this and move forward and change things we just the physio's role is coach as it should be in all pain states in any situation really um and it's different for everyone and you just you treat the patient in front of you you know, don't be afraid to do anything with them. There isn't, you know, my protocol and my um, research is completely outdated and somewhat wrong now. Um, I, I still, you know, you can still go by and do that um, intervention every week for six weeks with manual work and that kind of thing. And it really does help. But um, there's so much more that we can do and it doesn't have to be cookie cutter. So um, I have plenty of patients, as I said, that are getting back to CrossFit and are doing box jumps and um, loading really hard and getting exercise and, and things like that. You just, you work with your patient in front of you to find ways in to get to their nervous system and ways that you can talk to their nervous system. And sometimes that's hands-on and that's a gentle massage to their bottom, or it's a, um, you know, getting them to do some mindfulness or Qigong. And sometimes it's CrossFit and whatever you need to be doing. So it's, it's not rocket science. Um, as a physio, you have these skills, you have these innate skills and in being able to look at, how do we desensitize? How do we, um, there's a, oh, there's a good, what's it called? Calm. I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very polite, calm stuff down and then build stuff back up. But we all know there's a, um, you uh, can swear. That's fine. Okay. Fine. No, I'm not going to, it's fine. Um, but th- that's what we should be doing. Yeah. There's, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no hard, um, n- nothing lost in building people back up in this problem with any kind of pain state and actually giving people the confidence to get back to doing these things is the way forward. And I think this, this comes a lot from my own journey that, um, 
none of it's rocket science, but I, after open heart surgery, I had rehab. Um, I like to tell people I've been to rehab. Um, and it was, it was learning how to punch invisible ghosts very slowly. And it did nothing for me. I, w I wouldn't have been able to have more than a 10 meter walking capacity forever if I'd followed that rehab. But what I did is have some really brave people around me that helped coach me into, what about if you lift this heavy thing up? Um, I know you've been told not to do push-ups, but what about if we just try a mini one against a wall? And, you know, it builds up and builds up and builds up and you end up with a body that functions and does the things that you want it to do. So we've got to be those cheerleaders as physios. And it isn't rocket science. You don't need to know all the technical details. I think they're really interesting, but that's me. Just go with your gut, treat your patient in front of you and know that nothing that you do is going to be wrong as long as you are sub threat with that person at all times. And the way that you treat them is going to be completely different to me. And that's brilliant because what we don't want is everyone doing the same thing. If everyone was doing the same thing, no one would get better because patients are different and they need to find someone that chimes in with them and is on the right same wavelength as them. And they might need to try two or three different physios and that's fine, but we all need to be doing different things and then sharing and collaborating um, mm. on, on the things we're doing. I do a lot of weird stuff with PowerPoint presentations and um, images I'm, I'm playing around me and Katie Kelly um, in Canada is, I think she's halfway into a PhD, but she's uh, validated the first stage um, looking at whether people respond to images differently if they have vulvodynia. And I'm not going to tell you the answers because it's hers to talk about, but I'm hoping she's going to publish soon. And I do lots of stuff around that. And a lot of people that I teach on the courses are just like, yeah, I can't get my head around that. I'm just going to get them moving. We're going to do some Pilates. I'm like, great, fantastic. Yeah. I think it's really lovely what you're talking about, the, um, the nervous system and how we get all these changes centrally and how the, your body's basically, it's trying to be really efficient by laying down new pathways and changing things in the brain so that you can get those pain messages even more easily and more efficiently. And, but then on the flip side of that, that actually means that we can make changes in the reverse, which is what you're saying, because our, our brain is plastic. Our central nervous system has so much capacity to change. And I think that's a lovely message to receive because I feel what I'm hearing from you, a little running joke, Anthony, but what I'm hearing from you, Jilly, is, is a lot about hope. It's a lot about the fact that we can actually go in there and try something and um, do something to change what's happening in that nervous system. And like you said, there's probably not too much that we can do wrong unless we go in and start poking that bear, creating more bears. Um, but yeah, that, that was a really lovely message of hope there. So thank you. And it sounds like because so much of that is coming from the addressing things in a biopsychosocial model, it sounds like there's a lot that can be done via telehealth, which is a nice little segue. Yeah, definitely. Now, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm, um, I've been doing telehealth for a while with um, patients that are too far away to get to clinic or um, it can, yeah, it's too much for them to sit in the car for hours um, and always found it works. But this week, having flipped completely to a virtual clinic, it's working beautifully. You, you do the same stuff. You, you have to make an effort to make a connection with a patient. I think that's really important that um, part of the course, I talk about how to make connections with humans. Uh, some people don't get that um, and they need a few tips. So it's about using your um, expressions. So I'll take my glasses off. Oh, can I see? Um, oh, I'm getting old, I tell you, I can't see anything. Um, 
it's uh, when you go into clinic, making sure that you use gestures that show I have no weapons. So I'm spreading my arms, showing you my the center of me has no weapons. It's a, a, a quick psychological cue to de-ramp down the nervous system and make you feel approachable immediately. You show happiness and excitement in your face by raising your eyebrows and giving them a smile, even if you're just feeling like oh, it's 7.30 and I don't want to be here. Um, you, you use these physical cues um, to get, use body language passively or actively in a way that gets engagement really quickly. I do it with every single patient, really sorry if there are patients listening, but I do this with every patient just to try and get high engagement and um, you know, making sure that you're looking at them as well. So in telehealth, one of those things, my um, video, uh, my camera is actually at the bottom of my screen. So I, I haven't looked at either of you for the last hour, I'm afraid. All I do is I look at the dot. Um, I can kind of see you in my peripheral vision, but it's much more important than when you're talking to someone online that you get eye contact or they feel that you're listening. Um, it, it can be challenging sometimes with taking notes at the same time because you need to make sure you're taking those notes. I have to put my glasses back on. Um, and glasses can be a barrier. This is why I take them off. It can be a barrier to communication um, non-verbally. Right, typing notes is difficult, um, so I always ask before, and it's about asking patient, is it okay if I take some notes at the same time? Um, I am really paying attention, you just might see my fingers moving, because I'm, I'm typing away, and this is what it looks like when I type. Yeah, you can see it completely covers up my um, camera. So that those kind of considerations, um, they're the same, they're the similar things that everyone does in clinic to make the day go easier. And we all know that we do them. You've, you've got to get that patient on side, in the first 10 seconds. If they feel that they are trusted, that they are listened to, they're gonna be much a much more able to open up to you, especially on telehealth. Um, and it doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter if their phone is facing the ceiling, if it's facing their face, you pay attention in that screen. And you make sure that you, um, at least for the first minute or two, I would say, put your pen down. Um, you know, No typing, just listening. That's a really key thing. And then also, um, again, about getting engagement really quickly, a coaching skill. Don't interrupt them. Listen to everything they say, tell their whole story, and then um, uh, at the end, review that. And I know this is something that Antti and I were practicing on Carolyn's course um, together, which is really fun. It's, it's a really good skill to have. Being On average, I think the data shows, um, and Virginia Rivers-Bulkley, will, um, who's my co-teaching buddy and awesome, um, she'll probably tell me off this I can't remember what it is I think it's about seven seconds that on average we jump in after seven seconds of someone saying well I had this pain and it's that and you go oh can you tell me what what did they diagnose what just listen to them let them finish on average they will do between two and five minutes there is something less than 20% of people talk for more than five minutes but at the end of that you then say to them so um, I just want to I just want to uh, tell you uh, kind of summarize what you just told me just to make sure I've got this right and then you summarize it and you can summarize it in any which way you want but make sure you use some of their language so and then this this stabbing pain up through your side that kind of pushed all your organs came on um, and then you saw the doctor and then this happened you know you as a physio, we might be able to say, and then you had your flank pain, this pain in the side happened. No, use their words, this stabbing pain that pushed that your organs came on, that kind of thing. That again, gets engagement quicker. Um, so that's, that's some tips that I'm finding from a telehealth perspective that's really uh, important to get the engagement. But if you can work hard at that in the first five minutes, you, you'll, you'll have a fine session, the same as if they're in the same space as you, because you just gotta make people 
feel that you're really truly interested and you're with them in that journey and with them in that moment and care and that can be faked <laughs> but it's easy to um yeah it's easy to to kind of learn how to do that absolutely i'm just practicing now looking at the the green dot on my screen so that it feels like i'm speaking to you because ordinarily i'll just look at you over here like this yeah but now you're up here um, i know it's slightly scary you're looking at me in the face i'm going to take my eyes and look at you in the face that's really creepy anthony yeah <laughs> why what are you not used to me looking at you right in the eyes uh, <laughs> you know um uh just recently uh just to illustrate a lot of what you're saying is ringing so true for instance just recently i had a, a lady come in and because of the recent situation i just had the time it's an old friend and she came in and she's here for a diastasis checkup like three months after the last time i saw her okay so we're talking ages away um and she sat down and she felt like a bubble of energy about to burst. Mm. So how are you going? Tell me what's been going on. And then it all came out. <laughs> so a half an hour session, and I did only charge a half an hour, an hour and 20 of that session was spent um, just listening and talking about everything that she was going through and the only reason why it went that long is that i felt like it would be wrong for me to cut her short before she'd settled down like she was simmering the whole time the whole time and it took an hour and 20 like it's like what is happening to people with social isolation you know, people working at home together. Like I've heard some funny stories about people working at home together for the first time. You know, one, one person was like, one husband was like, it's interesting hearing you on the phone. You're actually nice to people on the phone. Because <laughs> his experience has only been getting in trouble. <laughs> it, it's quite funny. <laughs> but, but yeah, so it took literally 10 minutes to check where she was up to. She was going great. She'd been doing the exercise, not enough of the exercises, but otherwise she'd been, she'd been doing really well. So I, I felt really grateful that I had the time to be able to spend that time with her doing that. But holy moly, you know, like I take the therapist part of being a physiotherapist seriously, a lot more seriously in, in this latter half of my career. Um, but one of the things that we did actually talk about was that, um, you know, I, I have a certain skill set, which means that I don't take on her burden and her responsibilities the same way that she actually does. That was part of the conversation is that she feels the burden of responsibility for many, many things. In what ways have you found, um, you know, taking care of yourself and burnout and you, you like you alluded to it earlier, you work in pelvic health, you, there's higher ACEs, there's higher instances of humans doing not very nice things to each other. Um, if you're happy to talk about a little bit of how you yeah, protect sure. yourself 
about about that what can happen um yeah so i think we've talked a lot about the psychosocial element of treatment already and i think it's really important just as a little thing to highlight is that i do have a really good team so when i talk about picking up all of these psychological factors i'm not trying to treat them all myself i'm sending them to the psychologist the psychotherapist the counselor i've got a really good a fantastic um what does she call herself hypnotherapist um who's an ex-nurse and is just is really good at listening and counseling people. So I've got a huge team of psychosocial services around me that I can refer people to, which helps with not burdening yourself. I think it's it's been a, a, a challenging period of growth probably over the last five years as I've taken more responsibility on as a, as a team leader and as a teacher and things like that. Um, and certainly with a certain degree of, of social media presence, um, you get sent more crazy patients and as i keep telling people i am a physio i am just a physio and the just is not there to diminish it i am the same as everyone else i'm just got a social media presence so yesterday um i was doing some good social contact online with a um my friend biliana who you know as well anthony um in switzerland who's also in lockdown with her kids um and telling her about the three the three patients that i had who were all incredibly complex um and sent to me by other people quite challenging now i think back in the day there was a point as a baby physio where i was in pelvic pain clinic which ran once a month and was basically rape and abuse clinic um and you would see four patients in an afternoon with the consultants gynecologist anaesthetist psychologist um and any other trainees that are in there with one patient for an hour an hour and a half at a time and then you would take those four patients on and that was only once a month to limit the exposure to the clinician so you're not doing too much heavy work but over a period of three months i covered that clinic myself only and so i ended up with at least 12 if not 15 16 patients and one monday i think i had about eight hours back to back um of really quite difficult work hard work and i remember kind of smacking my head against the table crying going i can't do this anymore i'm just gonna hate all men and not be able to do this and you, you can get to that point but what i think I've, I've learned a few things that help because until about 18 months ago maybe two years ago um i can do eight hours a day of pelvic pain absolutely fine i love it i relish it i i thrive on it it fuels me now as opposed to being diminishing and the things i learned were one that you need to take the responsibility for healing someone off yourself and with telehealth, that's a key thing as well, that a lot of physios are really getting worried now, but, but I can't do things for patients. I'm not going to be able to do my physio. But I hate to tell them, but their physio is 80% the patient seeing them, being reassured. You know, I've had quite a few heart attacks and my therapy comes in many ways, but my, my personal trainer is amazing. He will, when I've had, when I come back from a heart attack, and gone back into the gym he knows that the first three four weeks is me just being in a gym space that's important and um he gets the <laughs> he'll get the um oh, what's it called oh the lifesaver anyway um get the electrical box out put it next to me and then get me to lift but yeah gets the defib um puts it next to me and gets me to lift like 2k five times and do five squats and makes me dad dance between every exercise which is what i'm continuing to do from home in my garage um and we just have a chat and we catch up i go away and over the weeks it gets better that's what physio is as well it's the therapy type of it so when you're 
doing physio, you shouldn't, you don't take on the responsibility for getting that person better. And I think the, the sessions in which you feel depleted, when I've come away from them and reflected on them, it's the ones where I feel responsible for that person's pain. And we need to get rid of that because A, that is a very, uh, very passive situation for you to be in with that patient. You shouldn't be providing treatment that changes them. You can be giving them opportunities and a window into exploring new movement, new experiences within their body, but coaching them how to keep progressing that. And it's, again, coming back to these coaching skills in that um, you are there as a facilitator, not as a producer of change. And the change can only come from the patient. It's, a, it's also a level of arrogance from a physio point of view to say, like, I am responsible for your, I am going to get you better. I can, you know, I, I use a lot of language with patients saying, you know, I'm not concerned by what you're telling me. This is something I've seen many times before and we've been able to change, but it's always a we and this is a collaboration. Take that pressure off yourself. Um, take that uh, pedestal that you stand on away and stand next to the patient and walk with them as they get better and walk with them as they, as they make change. So that's one. Um, and certainly the, the moments where I felt, and that's with everything, you know, with prolapses, if prolapses aren't getting better and they're, they're really struggling, you can come away from those sessions feeling depleted and sad that you haven't, you know, that you haven't done as good as you should have. But, you know, the reality is actually you're seeing them for 22 and a half minutes, 30 minutes once a week or once every six weeks. They're in their body 23 and a half hours of that day. And actually the, the, your job is to give them the knowledge and experience and options for them to be able to make the choices and the changes in their body. You can't do that for them. And it's arrogant to think that you can. So take that pressure off you. And the second is to have good outlets um, and, and good outlets that build up your, your um, emotional resilience. And I got really good at that for many years. And I think I did 10 years really well. Um, and one of the things that my friend Jazz and Pal Far, which if you are um, lacking, if you're feeling a bit low at the moment, go find Jazz and Pal, A-M-P-A-W-F-A-R-R. Go find her on Facebook, watch some of her videos and she will brighten your life. She's got an amazing TED lecture. She's an incredible human being. She talks about um, uh, your bucket. So in physio, we know this terminology about filling your bucket up, but she talks about it as a cup and saucer. And she says, right, so you fill your cup with love, seeing family, reading books, doing things that makes you feel good, makes your soul feel full, all that kind of stuff. And when you, and we all think that when our cup's full, then we can give to other people a little bit. And she says, no, that is wrong. That's where everyone goes wrong because then their bucket depletes. What you do is you fill up your cup until the tea, the Earl Grey decaf, is pouring over the sides into the saucer. And until you fill the saucer up, you fill yourself with so much good stuff that you are so full of um, good emotions and stable and happy that your saucer is full. And then you let people sip from the saucers and you don't let them have your cup. And if your cup is not full enough, you've got nothing to give from your saucer. Now, last July, my dad passed away. And for the 18 months before that, we had pretty ridiculous period of time. It wasn't, it was eight, no, it was less than that. It was 11 months from his diagnosis to his passing, his death. Um, and it was a really tough period of time. I was living between Cardiff, which is um, in Wales, and London, where my family were. 
um, and commuting back and forth, uh, spending four days in one place, three days in the other, not having any downtime, um, trying to do both things at once. So when I was in London, I'd be catching up on work emails and things from running my business. And when I was in Cardiff, I'd be making sure texting that my dad's oxygen stats that day were okay and discussing with mum what um, you know blood filtration is. Uh, all this kind of stuff it was a huge emotional load and my cup was dry <laughs> and not only was that I, I did somehow I managed to fill my time trying to fill my cup with um, research and, and work because work is a good distraction and also I'm a, a bit of a nerd and I love it so I did I spoke at 10 conferences and taught five courses over the course of that year um, and it was too much and my cup was absolutely dry and in May the month before he um, died, I just completely burnt out. And burnout is is not what you think it is. It's not what I thought it was. Um, I just stopped functioning. I stopped caring, and that's not me. Um, and it was a really challenging period of time, really, really challenging. And after I'd taken a period of time off, I came back, and I was actually talking to um, Anthony, who's a fantastic big brother to have um, um, across the seas about it a while ago because it just it didn't really get better I was analytically better and the grief is you know is easing it's still early days um, but I'm functioning now but I was finding that my interactions with patients were too emotionally sapping and I know that's not me when I'm you know in my athletic level of physio best um, that I am present I sit with the vulnerability. I take myself back to you. You got to kind of. I take this moment to have a breath and take myself to my um, to my baseline, and sit there in vulnerability with someone as with an open mind and open heart to to listen with them and be with them, and not try and be responsibility responsible for things. But it just it became it became too difficult. So I made the decision about six weeks ago, having struggled for a while to cut down my clinical caseload so that for the patients I am there with, I can really be present with. And that's working great. And I feel like I'm flying again. So I think, you know, and it, it was a really, really hard decision to make because I've, I've worked four and a half days clinically and four days um, <laughs> on my own business full time. And I know that does not make seven, which is partly the problem um, for a long time. I'm being able to do that. But there are times where you have to make the hard decisions and I love clinical practice and I, I never want to leave it and so to not leave it I have to significantly reduce it down so I do kind of four hours twice a week at the moment and then the rest of the time I'm, I'm working on my teaching and development and I'll do that for a while until you know we can just about scrape by at the moment we're all in crisis but I'll do that for a while until I feel like it's not a burden um, because the the processes that I would usually employ um, they aren't enough. So I don't feel responsible for people's healing. I, um, I enjoy helping them on their journey to healing. I'm very much in that mindset, but that isn't enough. I still can still feel depleted if I see too many patients in significant distress. There's also a, a psychological technique that um, uh, in coaching you learn that sometimes if you feel yourself getting tense, you almost imagine a force field or a barrier and you put the barrier up and just for a split second, stop listening to what they say. Imagine the barrier, take a breath in yourself. Um, uh, remember uh, your, your own feelings of your body. So sitting, the, the feeling of your pressure of your bottom against the chair and that kind of thing. Be aware of your own sensations, take a breath. And I used to find that, especially with um, really difficult stories, 
um, and really difficult situations where I'd, I knew I had to go back into a patient and I wouldn't um, ask them for details, but you've got to be present if they share them. Um, and you, you know, you've got a legal responsibility to then do something about it a lot of the time. But in those situations, um, doing that um, kind of psychological process of giving yourself a barrier to the words that they're saying can be really helpful. And that helped for a long time. And that meant I could do eight hours a day of really quite terrible traumatic work and feel like I'd done a great job and feel fueled by it at the end of the day. Um, and again, at the moment, that, that's not working. So I just have to do little bits of it. My, you know, my, my saucer um, goes very quickly. It used to last eight hours. It lasts about, lasts about four hours, but I need to make sure my cup is always full else I'm going to go back into being really sad and stressed, which is where I'm at at the moment. That's really, that's really hard, Chili. That's really hard. And it's difficult, you know, like what you were saying, it's really hard because of the, the current COVID situation and, and your usual support structure around you, you know, with, with your husband um, is, is really, really difficult. So that's hard to hear as a friend from across the seas. Um, Thanks. It's, it's getting a lot better though. It, it is, um, it certainly works. And I think it's, it's a, we, as physios, we get into the profession because we really want to help and your default setting is to give. Hmm. Um, and when you're feeling bad, I think my default is to give more. So I'm, you know, sat at home idly thinking, oh, I should go and volunteer to go back in the NHS. And then I have to keep reminding myself that's probably certain death for me. So um, it, your preset when you feel low is to give and actually taking that time and having wonderful mentorship and support from lots of colleagues around the world, including you, thank you very much, um, has been really, really helpful. Reaching out to people is really useful, but I'm, I'm feeling much better for it. Having made the decision, I'm a lot happier because I can give in different ways and I'm, I'm focusing on providing as much um, professional development for free and providing as much information as I can at its time to support physios because that's what I can do and I can do without um, depleting my saucer too much. Anything we can do to help fill your cup and to, uh, to help let your saucer overfill, overflow so that you can um, continue giving, we, we would... I'm um, places have been. Yeah, we would love to help you. Um, we're looking forward to... I, I've got the um, daunting task of summarising what, uh, what we've covered over the last hour and a half. <laughs> so, let's see. You're amazing. I think that's a fair point. That's a fair way to start the um, the summary. You're amazing. Absolutely love listening to you and love chatting to you as as we have done. So really, really uh, have enjoyed this time with you so far. So thank you very much for generously giving us your time. Well, um, thank you for having me. This is really this has filled my cup. It's really lovely to connect with clinicians that are as passionate about serving um, as I am, and it really it does fill my cup. Yeah, and it's you know, I in in this time it, it's quite stressful. Um, I know I'm feeling the stress. Um, you know, I know Marika's feeling tired. Um, you're you're feeling quite low, it, understandably so. Um, and and many others. You know, Marika and I hear from other people as well about just what's going on, and there's a lot of stress and distress out there. Um, mm. 
with with uh, the 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 happy bladders, the the bladder pain syndrome, and and you know the 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 slub classification of it, as well as identifying the sad cliffs uh, as per Carolyn's um, mnemonic, being able to um, to really see and listen to a person, not just a body part. Um, not even, you know, using that information that you gain from the subjective and, and now you're, you know, all telehealth because literally it's, it's life-threatening for you if you get sick. <coughs> um, you know, being able to use that to determine when you're going to do a physical examination even, um, being able to help people without touching them and, um, you know, you were telling us off the air that it's possible it can be done um i'm hearing you know i've got a few messages already hey i i did some telehealth stuff and it's amazing like you're right it can be done um and and so you know hearing lots of that from you um knowing the sh knowing the nerdy stuff as you as you call it i'm a nerd marika's a bit of a nerd but she's she's much more of a kick-ass nerd um literally kicking ass <laughs> um, <laughs> um that was you know, just a bad taekwondo joke jilly that was a bad taekwondo joke yeah no you are an absolute badass i've seen the photos <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'm too i'm too old for that stuff now i can't even get my leg up that high oh i'm sure a little bit i'll of kick you in the guts i can't kick you in the head but <laughs> oh that's a shame i'm, I'm very glad <laughs> <laughs> um so so you know having uh, having that ability to work out is super important and seeing the person, um, listening to their story, the coaching skills that you've, that you've gone and, and studied the ability to, um, be able to work with super complex cases, um, sift through that information, really, um, you know, really reinforcing that point that when they come and see you, it's it's your skill at distilling all the information it's our skill at distilling that information which really makes us good therapists um being able to um you know to 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 recognize because you you were involved in the research which even those protocols you say is now out of date will still work but you've evolved into um, something even better, um, you know, knowing from the research that the improvement is going to be there, the subjective reporting doesn't always match the tracking of the outcome measures that you've used, um, you know, and so it sounds like the outcome measures, not just of objective data um, or, or the patient's reporting, but also the outcome measures that we talked about from sad cliffs. Uh, stress, anxiety, depression. Um, so that that was all good. And, you know, the, the word that sticks in my mind was, um, you know, uh, Carolyn's course is a game changer for you, uh, for example. You know, um, and so just hearing that evolution into a biopsychosocial, uh, almost super aware uh, state, just realizing just how important it all ties together um and 
and then we shifted gears into, well, there was burnout, uh, which was just the last little bit. And thank you for sharing, <coughs> excuse me, uh, thank you for sharing your personal story and, um, you know, just how, just how difficult it was and having heard it before, it's still, it's still hard to hear just how difficult it was and how, how run down you got. And, um, I, I think I told you, you know, I, I got pretty low as well last year for different reasons. Um, and so, uh, you know, poor Marika heard all about that too. Um, so, so yeah, it's been really, really good. 2019 was the sucky year and 2020 20 was going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I will share <laughs> with you, plan. I will share with you privately a video that is absolutely hilarious. Just a, this guy saying, I'm sorry, 2019. I'm sorry. I said all those things about you. I want you back. Like who pissed off 2020? Who pissed her off? You can have a people saying um uh they want to reboot they want a, a refund on their 2020 <laughs> yes. and it back on again and see if we can all restart it yeah hey so, Liv, Julie, you. oh sorry anthony were you still well I, I i was going to say i think that's the recap but i'm not sure i think i think that was a very awesome very thorough recap i am um you can tell i'm a bit brain dead i'm it, like really <laughs> I'm so tired and I have, I've so enjoyed that Julie and I've had to really focus because I, I feel like you have just so much knowledge and I know that I'm going to go and listen to this podcast at least two more times. I actually do listen to our podcast, even though I hate the sound of my own voice. I love going back because we just have such amazing guests and I learn so much from talking to amazing clinicians and I know that, oh my gosh, so I work with um, Judith Thompson and like the Body Logic crew, and and they are big fan girls of you. And I, they're so excited that we're having. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking to you today, so I know that they are going to be, you know, thrilled to hear this. But people all over the world are going to get so much out of this. So we are incredibly grateful for you spending. I mean, we've been together for almost two hours now. So I am, yeah. I just want to say thank you so much, and I hope we haven't exhausted you. I hope we have filled your cup. Um, but we really appreciate all that you do and all that you share and, and your whole, your whole attitude towards, and, and that generosity that you have towards our profession. And, you know, Anthony and I, we're, we're talking about this and that's one of the reasons why we're just cranking out a f quite a few podcasts at the moment. And, you know, it's just that we want to, we want to be there for our, for our community and support one another. And, you know, it, it's not too much energy and time for us but it is something that we can give and we know that we're very very great we're very fortunate that we can send me people messages and say hey do you want to have a chat to us about this and you know 99% of the time they say yep when can you do it and yeah thank you it's it's very much appreciated well, it's been my absolute pleasure it's um it's really lovely to talk to both of you and i think you are providing such an invaluable service getting you know curating um, all of this incredible information from around the world. So yeah, I'm a big fan and I listen to the podcast too. Um, you get, it, it's, it's amazing that we have such a diverse range of free CPD um, that we can all do professional development stuff. But we, you know, especially at the time when people are gonna have no money, I'm, you know, I'm self-employed, so I have no job for three months now. Um, but I have toilet roll, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got my bum gun the other day. 
like yesterday. <laughs> I got my the 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 bidet the bidet hose. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, we're not there yet. I don't know if I can accept that. I'll I'll do a shower before I'll do a bidet. It's a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's one of those things. I think the community are responding amazingly. Like there were, there were so many um, uh, telehealth conversations going on this week. We had a we had a chat on the UK membership group of our, our national body. Um, people kind of scrambling, trying to find out how to do tele telehealth. And I put up a video to try and help um, congregate everyone so they could have the information in one place. And from that, you know, we've had Jessica Drummond, we've had Karen Litzy, um, all these fab international physios that have done um, uh, webinars and things about how to produce things. So people are really trying to help each other. And that's just such a great spirit. And I don't want to compare it to the war because wartime is a very different time to now but we're certainly all coming together and that's that's this amazing thing of this community that I've always felt um warm and supported by so last year really at my lowest points when I'm you know lucky enough to 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 speak to quite a few of the international people that you guys um and I was getting so many private messages of support from people um kind of going step away from social media it will be there in six months the conversation will not have changed don't worry you know and this is what you need to do and that that was incredible so yeah keep keep doing what you're doing because this support internationally really really helps everyone to feel a bit better so a massive hug to everyone that's listening to this we are going to get through this it's going to be okay um and if you're treating pelvic pain you can make it better there's no reason we are continually evolving and we have such a beautiful profession it's within our scope to look at these things and work with a human so you know, be a good human, um, do what you can, don't put yourself at risk, but we are going to get through this. Absolutely. Really appreciate it, Jilly. Um, where can people find you, your contact details? We'll make sure that we get those details uh, from you. I forgot to send you the form. That's my fault. <laughs> um, but um, where, where can people find you? I'm on jillybond.com, which is J-I-L-L-Y. B-O-N-D, um, as in a Bond girl, dot com, um, not Gilly the goldfish. Um, I'm at Jilly underscore Bond on Twitter. I'm Jilly Bond Physio on Instagram. And I'm Jilly Bond Physiotherapy on Facebook. So you can find me everywhere. Um, yeah, I'm interested. If anyone wants to chat anytime, give me a shout. I'm not up to much these days um, <laughs> producing resources. So if you've got things you want to talk through, give me a well, shout. We can't wait to see your online course. And yeah. we will be signing up for it's that. It's coming. We'll see it soon. away. Yeah, that I'm, I'm hoping to have that up within the month. So there will be stuff going out soon, but within the month. Excellent. Fantastic, Julie. Thank you very much. And to all you listeners out there, I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, and please reach out to Julie. Send her your your gratitude, your thanks, your support. We can all use. Um, not just your tricky patients. Yeah, not yeah. just tricky patients. <laughs> Not just your tricky questions, um, but yeah. Um, and and if you are struggling, if you are wanting to have a chat with me, definitely on the messenger thing is a lot easier. Um, having face-to-face -face chats is really difficult at the moment for me, mm -hmm. but um, loving it and loving the connections. Thank you very much, and we'll speak to you later. See? Bye. Well, that's it for this episode. Be sure to hit like if you enjoyed the episode and leave any comments or questions below. We'd really like to hear from you. 
If you haven't already hit subscribe, please do so now so that you can be kept notified when we release our next episode. Otherwise, thank you for listening and we look forward to having you back with us for another episode of the Women's Health Podcast.